Well, I'm excited to be here. Um, we're going to pray again. I, did, I, I said we were going to pray again when it, the first message service that I did today, and we didn't. Um, and and we, it still was great. We had an awesome time, and clearly everybody was praying for me. But I have been so blessed today uh, to receive a wonderful headache um, and complete exhaustion. These guys exhausted me all week long. Um, and, and, and the first service, I was, I was on fire. I was on fire. I was, woo! And I thought, you know what? Praise the Lord. I got home. I did not have a headache. My neck wasn't sore from all that riding. I got back. I got back to the house, and it was just like, boom. And God was like, humble yourself. Be careful. You don't become arrogant, and you didn't pray enough. Um, and so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna come back, and we're going to pray again um, to make sure that uh, sometimes, you know, uh, Paul says he's like a thorn in the flesh, uh, and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed that it would go away, and it didn't go away. Um, and uh, Andrew, Andrew prayed for me earlier, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's, Andrew's praying for me. It's going to go away. And then God's like, no, 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 no. you got to be, you, you, you got to come down. you got to come down. And so um, when we get into the Word of God, when we jump into the Word of God, we want to make sure that, you know, the crazy speaker yelling at us for an hour or two or three, however long it's going to take, uh, we want to make sure that, that we're accurate and we're grounded, and, but we also want to make sure that we receive, because I, I personally don't have a whole lot for you. Uh, I'll talk a long time, but I don't actually have a whole lot for you, because normally when I try and give something, it just falls flat, and it very likely may fall flat today. Um, but praise the Lord, as I've said many times with Andrew, I said, God works through you or despite of you, but hallelujah, God still works. Uh, and so we're praying that God's going to work today. So God, hallelujah, you are amazing. God, I want to thank you for this headache. I'm not even going to pray that you take it away, God. God, I want to lean on you today. God, I want to I set my sails on you today. God, I want to walk by you today. And so God, keep me reminded all, all service long of how much we need you. And God, as I begin to talk and sometimes get excited and sometimes shout and sometimes get on rabbit trails that, that don't always go where they're supposed to go, God, I want to pray that in these moments people would only hear what you would have them say and deafen the ears to all the dumb things that I say. Um, God, I love you. Bless us. Amen. Amen. I am excited, excited, excited. I guess I should probably introduce myself. Um, my name's Rick. I'm from Canada. If you're wondering where, it's right in the middle. Just think bush and a couple fields and some dairy farms. That's where I live. Um, and so nowhere near Toronto, nowhere near Vancouver, nowhere near the ocean, nowhere near fun, just right in the middle. And that's where, in, in those places where you make your own fun. Uh, so for a good time, you know, I drive my four-wheeler, I pull a, a car hood upside down behind and ramp my kids into the snow and, and tears and laughing. And, and uh, we, we don't go snowboarding down the ski hills because we live in Manitoba, so we go behind a car. Like things like that, like all the things that'll get you killed. Um, because there is no fun where I live, and so we make the fun ourselves. Right, and that's actually important to part of this story right, later on that we're going to get to, is that, is that I'm, I'm, I'm in an area, I've got to be careful how I say this, because it's got different, I, I said redneck before, and people are like, well, there's different connotations for redneck in different places of the world. I'm, yeah, I'm just that kind of guy who fixes everything with duct tape, if you understand. I, I'm a, I climb trees for fun. Um, we 
don't wear, you know, in, in, my, in my community, most of the churches but ours is a, is a suit and tie kind of church. Uh, we're really good at, really good at really picking, like we know every Greek and Hebrew, not me, obviously. You'll, you'll catch that already. Uh, but we, we pride ourselves in our, 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 our deep intelligence and our, our great virtue. And, and, uh, and I'm, uh, what's that phrase? I think the phrase is black sheep. I'm, uh, I'm the one who doesn't always fit in. And, and so that's me. That's me. That's who you got today. Praise the Lord, you're going to have to put up with me, and hallelujah, God either is going to work through me or despite of me, but we know God's still going to work. So I married an incredible woman, um, and I had to leave her at home, uh, and she's now telling me that I didn't have to leave her at home, and so she's angry. She's not really that angry. Uh, she's taken a whole group of 16 people over to Kenya four days after I get home, uh, but she's very, very, very jealous, um, and so she's at home. We were called many years ago. Uh, over to serve God in Mozambique, kind of central Mozambique area. If you guys know where Baira or Shamoyo are, uh, we spent, we thought, we built a house. We thought it was the rest of our lives. Uh, sold everything we owned. We we traveled over there um, with joy in our heart, truly joy in our heart. And about I don't know six or seven years ago, uh, my dad crashed his little ultralight plane um, and he died. And I came home, went to the funeral. I'm like, okay, we're done now. I'm going back to Africa. Um, and about. I'm not going to tell the whole story, but a few months later, God says, actually, you're going home. And I said, no. Um, and then I told my wife, I think we might be called home. And, and she, of course, said no. Um, and so I've learned that, that God gives me vision, but, I, but I, need, I need a helpmate in all of the visions that God gives. And so I gave her three months to pray. Uh, and uh, each month I asked her only one time to not stress her. And each time she said no. Uh, and on the third month, um, she broke down weeping and she said why? And so we're, we say we're going back home, uh, but for her that's not home. Africa is still her home, she says, as it is often with mine, Mozambique specifically. Um, and for eight months um, she wept. Um, and so we went home kicking and screaming. Uh, we did not want to be there. And I'll say the same thing I said in the first service. I got home to a very religious community and I got up front where everybody knows every Bible story. And I said, who wants to hear? I, who here knows about Jonah? And everybody said, yes. And I said, I love you guys, but you are my Nineveh. And they looked at me and I said, I don't want to be here. This is not where I want to be. I'm here because God said, go. And I couldn't stay where my heart was. Uh, and that not, not to say that I don't love it there. God has given me an incredible love from, for the place that I was kind of grew up. Uh, I'm passionate. I will be there as long as God keeps me there. Um, and, and I believe God wants to do great things there and start a revival there. And so I'm getting more and more on fire for there. But I will tell you something. It was hard. Uh, last thing. This story went way too long. The last thing is, is that I do have two children. They're adopted out of Mozambique. We don't have time because I could talk for hours about the incredible amount of miracles uh, that, that happened in order for them to be part of our family. Um, and so uh, that's me. And I, I helped to lead a church in Canada and really felt called to come check it out and to learn from you guys. So I'm not sure why they're giving me the mic. Uh, I'm here to learn and to grow. Um, but again, I realized, praise the Lord, that... Uh, the same spirit in you is the same spirit in me. And so despite all of our brokenness and, and tiredness and, 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 and weakness and doing things wrong, even sometimes in my own congregation, God still allows me to come up and, and, uh, and, and talk while he, he, he corrects me and, and works through me and, and lets you only hear what you were supposed to hear. So we're going to jump into the Word of God today. But before we jump deep, deep into the Word of God and and uh, you're going to forgive me when I go late, and I'm not going to apologize for it either, um, because nobody told me what late was, so don't tell me what late is, so that I, I don't have to apologize. 
or don't have to be guilty of not apologizing. Uh, we're going to be jumping into the Word of God today. And it's always odd when you have a special speaker come because you're like, oh my word, what is this guy going to bring? And then you see me and you're like, oh my word, what is this guy going to bring? Um, and I want to tell you something. It, it, don't be afraid. The incredible thing is that no matter what we bring, the Bible gives us some tools to make sure that no matter what, what the guy standing up front says, that you can make sure that you're getting the truth. And I've been to many services by many special speakers, and sometimes they, they get excited and they, they really believe what they're saying, but it's really not ringing true. And I've seen people go left or right because this guy brings something, and it's wrong. And so I always want to caution people, even when I bring something, it could be wrong. And I'm hoping it's not. I've prayed about it. I've studied it. I'm sure it's not. But if you just believe it just because it sounds really motivational and I have a fun story to go along with it, you're going in the wrong direction. So I want to challenge you. Dive into the Word. If you have a pen, feel free to write down the notes. Write down the verses to make sure I'm not leading you in a weird path. And so today we're, we're doing one of the things that often pastors find one of the most, or, or, or elders, or, you know, because I'm from a place that everyone's pastors, and, and uh, uh, you, you go and you say, hey, uh, I'm going to tell you a story, a narrative, like, like one of the Bible stories. And everyone's like, oh my word, every time a pastor brings a Bible story, why can't he just stick with Galatians and Ephesians? Because they always grab weird and wild stuff from stories. So, first thing, I give you three verses just to get going that aren't part of the sermon. It's a, it's a second sermon. Um, it's a freebie, if you would. Um, the, uh, the first thing is that no matter what stories you're reading, the beautiful thing is that the Word of God says that everything in it is from God. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures, oh, and 17. Can you add 17? I forgot last time too. All scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good deed. Amen. Um, let's see if I got it right. I think they're going to do that. They're going to see if I got it right. You're going to see if I got it right? That's okay. I got it right. I did this the first, this is my mistake, guys. Uh, I did that the same thing the first message. I, I only gave one of the two verses I was supposed to have, 16 and 17. But all scriptures God breathed. Every single thing that you read is useful, and it's supposed to make you thoroughly equipped for every good deed. It's supposed to lead, guide, correct, and change you for every good deed. So don't be afraid just because a guy comes up with a story, you know. Uh, we were joking that there was at the staff of Moses and the, and the you know, like, you know, all these things that, that, that we grab onto to make these, these illustrations. And the second thing you've got to remember is that when you read a story in the Bible, doing your own devotions and your own study, you read a story. Um, another little thing that, that's really important is to remember, uh, as, as Andrew often says, and I, I said this in the first service as well, is that you don't know what you don't know. Like, we all think that we've got it figured out. And we read the story, and we're like, that's right. How does this apply to my wife? Because I know everything, and I clearly don't have any, any problems in my life. And so how does this apply to my wife? Um, and so we read the Bible, and, and we don't know what we don't know. And so I want to jump into 1, Corinth, 1 Corinthians 2, 10 to 12. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except a man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. But I'll tell you something. I'm, even, I'm going to say something else. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given to us. 
It's all God-breathed. But we gotta, we gotta find the truth. And sometimes, especially in a narrative, which, you, which often is actually to show us the heart of God. It's not often to give us a cold, hard teaching. It's to show us the heart of God. And so when you read it, God might actually tell you something very uniquely about yourself or about where he's leading you. And you've got you to gotta search the scriptures to make sure the teachings match up with that. Because I have seen people, and the example I, I've used before is the story of Gideon, that if you don't read it carefully, everybody thinks they've got to take their blanket and throw it outside at night to see if water falls upon it. And Gideon was not, Gideon was actually told that that wasn't actually, like, he, God let him do it, but that, like, it would have been better if he just had faith. That if he just, he just heard the word of God and did it. Instead of, you know, he'd seen an angel said, mighty warrior, come out of, the, out of where you are. And he still questioned and questioned and questioned right to the end. And praise the Lord, God kept giving him signs. But the man of faith shouldn't just read the story and be like, well, everybody should put a fleece out. Because, you know, as we were singing and as we were praying, uh, something, you know, I actually planned the, I have the same notes for both services because that's what, what I was led to do. But the first service, God kind of led it in a slightly different way. So for those who've been at both, you're going to hear this. But as we were doing this, I realized that there's people here who right now in this moment, you know, for example, are waiting um, for God, just because of, from that analogy, for God, that they're waiting for God to open a door for them. That God has closed a door in your life. He's closed it. And you've bought into the old saying, we're going to talk about this later, you bought into the old saying that when one door closes, God opens another one. Or, you know, one, one person says when the devil closes the door, God opens a window. And you've been sitting here, and, and, and as the word came this earlier today, you've been pulling back from doing what, what maybe God has for you. you God, God's given you this vision. God's given you this plan. Given you this hope. And you've pulled back because you're waiting for the door to open. For things to get easier. For it to be crystal clear. And uh, I want to, again, caution you that maybe you've put a fleece out that you're not getting the answer that you want. But be careful that when we read Scripture, we do one other thing. And that is 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. Make sure that when you get this thing that you think might be from God and you're like, this is what I'm going to do or this is what the pastor says. Make sure you go back into the Word of God and verify if God actually does want you to sit on your butt and wait for all the doors to be opened. Is that really what the Bible says other than the one or two stories that talk about a fleece, right? Is that really the plan? And so we're going to jump into that because it wasn't part of the other part of my notes as those who were here the first message know it. And so we're going to jump into that because I believe there's people waiting for doors to open. And I'm telling you right now, if that's what you're waiting for, the answer, and I'm not God so I can't give you the answer from God, but the answer is those doors are not going to be open for you. You've been waiting for a long time. And I'm sorry to tell you, those doors will not be opened. But I believe you're still going to experience an incredible moving of God and an incredible miracle in your life. But it won't be because a door was opened. So let's get to the actual message. Sorry guys, that's, that's not the message. That's the intro to the message. Uh, that's not even the intro to the message. That's the intro to how to understand the message. Let's get into the message. Matthew chapter 14, 22 to 33. This is a story. Ready? Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him. My, my writing's so small. Go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, 
he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. This is my favorite part here. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Truly you are the Son of God. And as I read through that story, as I was getting ready, God kind of laid that story in my heart. The first thing, is, the first thing that I thought was, oh, my word, do I really need to preach a message on don't take your eyes off Jesus? That seems, it seems don't take your eyes off Jesus. And because we've all heard the message, right? I, I don't think I need to preach it again. Don't take your eyes off Jesus or you're going to start to sink. Praise the Lord. You've all heard it. You're all grounded in that. And you're still not getting your miracle. And you're going, what's going on? Why don't I have the direction I was looking for? Why don't I have the hope that I was looking for? Why is my marriage still broken? Why is, why is my life still in tatters? Why do I not have hope? You know, my eyes seem to be on I showed up, didn't I? My eyes seem to be on Jesus, but not everybody's eyes who were on Jesus in this story walked on water. See, see, one of the things I tell our congregation all the time when dealing with a story, like a narrative in the Bible, what we tend to do is we immediately pick whatever character we think is the main character, and we say, what's their story? What can we learn? We've picked apart Peter's story end to end, up and down. We know Peter's story. Do you know the story that we, don't, that we always forget? Put yourself in the feet of every character in every story. What about all the other disciples in this story? Where were they? Like, I want, like, I want you to think about just, where, were, where was everybody else? In this story, two people walked on water, Jesus and Peter, and that's where we stop. Oh, Peter didn't have faith. Well, first of all, we'll talk about Peter. Peter sees Jesus on the water, and what does he do? He says, like, Jesus was walking. They had already talked to him. He already knew where Jesus was going. He didn't need to get out of the boat. The safest place to be was in the boat. And wait, because you know how we say the safest place is, is, in, is in the center of Jesus' will. So I'm just going to wait for Jesus to bring his will over to me, and I'm just going to wait here, just all comfortably. Okay, God, what's your will? Come on, I'm waiting. But you know, I realized, do you notice that when Jesus gets into the boat, the storm calmed down? It just struck me as I was reading, just, just now. I was reading it, and it struck me. God brought the storm. Because as soon as God's plan was done, the storm went away. As soon as God's plan was finished, the storm went away. That means, as I, as I, as I read that, I said, is there a chance that God allowed the storm in his life, in the world, in this thing, so that Peter would have the opportunity not to stay in the boat and see the storm calm down, but in the middle of a storm say, Jesus, if that's you, let me walk on water. You see, we're waiting for this door to be opened in, in your life. The door that's going to fix something. The door that's going to give you a calling. The door that's going to let things happen. The man who waits for the door to open waits a very long time. Because more often than not, the devil's the one who closed the door. And he's just smiling. He's like, that's right. All I got to do with these Christians is close the door? 
Like, it, I don't have to lock the thing. I just have to close it. Just make it like, if they have to turn the doorknob and, and peek around the corner, I've won. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Not my kids. You lock the door. We kick that thing down. And sometimes in your life, in order to know that you're ready for, the, for what he has for you, talk about the talents, that, that if you're faithful with the little, he's going to give you more. Sometimes, in order for you to get the incredible journey that God has for you, he might tell you, hey, you see that door over there that's closed and you're not sure what's behind it? And it looks tough and you could, you could drown if you're you know, getting out of the boat? I want you to go to that door and just kick that thing down. Just walk up to that door and just give that thing the boot. Because if you keep waiting on something great to happen in your life, you're not being a Peter, you're being the disciples. Now, don't get me wrong. They had a great story that they could tell their grandkids. Yeah, yeah, you know the time, there was this time, there was this time we were in a boat, and there was waves that were up like to hear kids. Wow, what happened? We, saw, we thought he was a ghost. We saw Jesus, and we're like, oh my word, it's Jesus. What, oh, it's a ghost. And he's like, no, it's me. Really, what'd you do? But we waited until he got here. So, so, oh, all right, oh, and Peter, he walked on water. Sweet, you and Peter went and walked on water. Well, well no, I didn't go and walk. No, Peter went and walked on water. I I waited for Jesus because the waves were big. I just told you. The waves were big. And it was amazing because when Jesus got in the boat, the waves calmed down. I got to experience a miracle of Jesus calming the storm. And then Peter's going like, I mean, he didn't, he, 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 he probably didn't make it that old as we, as we read through the stories. And he wouldn't have cared. But, 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 I mean, let's be real. Peter got a miracle that day. He didn't get the other miracles that he wanted because that's, that's how life works, isn't it? Peter didn't get all of his miracles. But, but the same thing is, you know, if Peter would have been able to sit with, with the grandkids, he would have, they would have been like, tell me this story. Like, Jesus. And I was like, no. And I was like, I looked at my buddies and I was like, watch this. Jesus. Like, I knew it was Jesus. Obviously. He just said it was Jesus. I said, Jesus, if that's you, let me come to you. And he was like, come. I actually got to walk on. Like, I sunk a little bit when I got a little bit scared, but I did it. Like, what kind of miracle do you want in your life? And I'm not talking, just to be clear, sometimes the moment you say the word miracle, everyone's like, oh my, I'm going to get healed. And maybe you will. Praise the Lord. Hopefully you will. But that's not what I'm saying. As I read through Scripture, verse after verse after verse after verse after verse, as a matter of fact, before Jesus healed most people, what did he say? He said, your sins are forgiven. Oh, Jesus cares about our earthly bodies in some ways, but Jesus longs, longs to give us a spiritual miracle. Desperately wants to give you a spiritual miracle. And you're holding on. And again, I'm going to caution you, as I always do, just because I tell you a story that sounds motivational about Peter, and you're like, okay, you just, like, great, like anybody could just find something. I want, I want to remember, remind you that it's not the only story where people got a miracle when they were risking their lives. You see, when Peter got out of the boat, the reason he was afraid, the only reason you're afraid is when, if you think you're going to get hurt. He got worried. He thought he was going to drown. If you want to walk on water, you got to be ready to drown. I mean, it's, it seems odd. Um, so let's talk about some of the other great people of Scripture. I was a kid who grew up uh, listening to audio tapes, because it was before CDs and stuff. And um, audio tapes are these little square things with a little paper in them that goes back and forth for those who are in the other group there. And I'd listen to these, and they were all about the Old Testament, and my favorite heroes in the Bible. And I loved Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because, like, you know, he makes this great big fire, and he's like, people are, like, almost dying, just getting close to it. And he's like, if you don't bow down, I'm going to throw you into the fire. And, like, they looked at him. After everybody, everybody caved in. Everybody, they said, 
they, they looked at him and they said, I, I, I'm going to get it maybe a little bit off, but they basically said, we know that God can and will save us. Our, our God can and will save us. But then they said, but even if he does not. You see, they knew, they knew that if they came before this guy, they said God can and will save us, but they knew there was a chance they'd get burnt. And you know what? Everybody else, all those other captive Israelites, how many of them could say one day that they walked through fire? Praise the Lord, it's only the guys who are willing to get burned who walk through the fire. How about this story? Well, I got a I got hundred stories for you. David and Goliath. Everybody's shaking in their boots. Shaking in their boots. They're like, oh, I don't. Sandals, sorry, sandals, sorry. That's right. And so that's biblically accurate there, guys. That's why we, we test the word. We test it. Sandals. And uh, praise the Lord, we got, we got scholars. And so, so, so we're, so, so everybody else, and, and, and David says no. And he's like, I'm, I'm going to go. And, and what happened? Saul tries to get him all armored up, eh? Like, no, no, you got to do this the right way. He's like, I don't need this stuff. And again, because I didn't, I'm not reading it directly, but basically he's like, no, God is for me. He knows. He knows when he comes to a giant. He's like, okay, I could die. I don't think it's going to happen. Because God is moving in my life. And, and, and I believe with all, my, with, with all I am that in many of these stories, they, they were empowered by God to do these things. So they had this knowledge inside of them that God was going to do things. There was still the humanity in them that said, this, I could get burnt. I could get a spear through me that's taller than I am. You know, we, 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 another great story that I love, sorry you guys get a lot of illustrations because I think it's important to realize this is a common theme in Scripture. Just because the doors closed doesn't mean you're not supposed to kick it down. Sometimes in your life, if you want a miracle, you got to pick a fight. That's true. If, if, you want to, if you want to beat the devil, he's not just rolling over. He's not the butler who opens it. you got to pick a fight. And I'm reminded of a story in the Bible. It's, it's literally one of my favorite stories. Um, it's about Jonathan. Uh, so you got, you got Saul, you got Jonathan. You know, him and David are buddies. And um, the Philistines have taken all of their all of their, their weapons, and, and so they were coming at like with farm equipment. They're going to fight them now, right? And so it was, it's weird how they worked in that culture. The king and the royalty could still keep their weapons, J just because they know you keep, it's just a king, like nobody else's weapons. And so Saul's up on, essentially up on a hill, and uh, he's, he's whining to, to, to himself and to God that, oh my word, we're all going to die, we're all going to die. What do we have? And they've got all these things. And so Jonathan's like, oh, seriously, dad, come on. So I'm paraphrasing there, of course. Um, we'll read the actual scripture, don't worry. Um, and so Jonathan realizes that he's part of God's people. And the only way they're going to have victory is not hiding under a tree. It's fighting the enemy. That's the only way you're going to win. So what does he do? 1 Samuel 14, 6 to 10. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Perhaps. Another one of those, eight. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. I'm going to stop there for a minute. We don't see this a lot in Scripture, but if you do some other study, and I could be slightly off, but one of my understandings of the armor bearer, which is an understanding of the armor bearer, uh, so it's not Scripture, but just put this in the back of your mind. Uh, his job was, I mean, quite clearly to carry the armor, right? So he's carrying the king's armor, he's carrying, and, and they're going to go to battle, so he's got to give the king his armor. He's got to try and watch the king. But really, for the armor bearer to be fully equipped, the only way it's going to happen is, is, for, is for Jonathan to, like, 
get him a sword by, by killing someone. Like, he, like there's, there's going to have to be a battle here to like re-armor up this guy because he's carrying more than he can handle. And so he, he says, but wherever you go, I'm coming. And we do that sometimes. And that's a reminder to those who are a bit cautious about following leadership. Just as a side, that's a, a second, second freebie. Is that, is that maybe we should be the armor bearer. And so Jonathan said, come on. Then we will cross over towards them and let them see us. If they say to us, Wait there until we come to you. We will stay where we are um, and not go up to them. But if, we say, but if they say, come to us, we will climb up there because it is our sign that God has given them into our hands. So again, let's, let's give a real-life illustration here, if you would. There were many, many, many more of them than are in the bad, the bad guys than are in, the, in this place right here. But there was only one more of, of me in this story. So it's one more of me, but many, many more of you. And, and you all want to kill me, okay? You all want to kill me, and I'm like, okay. What do we do? And, I, and I'm royalty, so if you kill me, you've already basically half won the battle because my people are all going to run away. Um, and so I'm like, okay, how, how do we know if God's on our side? I know if I stand in front of you and you say, let's fight, that must mean that God is on our side. Is, sorry, what? That's ridiculous. In every single situation, the enemy is going to say, what, we got to kill the main dude, like, or the son of the, like, the second most important man in the land. That's all we got to do to win this? And he came by himself with a guy holding his sword? Like, seriously. He was going into a situation where the only inevitable outcome was death. Like, the odds of victory, statistically speaking, without God, were zero. Let's just be real. The odds without God are zero. And when you can recognize that in your own life, because that's the problem. We've bought into this lie that the odds are in our favor even without God. That the odds are in my favor. As long as I'm a good person, as long as things... No, I'm not talking about salvation, but I'm talking about a fulfilled life. I'm talking about to experience what God has. And so we're like, the odds are in my favor. The odds are not in your favor. Do you know how long the devil has been around? You're going to lose. And so what we have to do is we've got to be obedient when God says to come. So again, another story. What are we at? Like eight stories now. How about Daniel? There's another story. If you, like, if, like I'm talking about, if you want victory, you've got to face the enemy. Daniel, he knows that if he, if he keeps praying where everybody can see him, they're going to kill him. So what does he do? Let's pick a fight. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not scared. Let's pick a fight. You know he's got to be a little bit scared there. He says, I'm, and so what do they do? They throw him into the lion's den. Guess Guess what? Only Daniel will ever be able to tell the story about what it's like to sleep in a den of starving lions and not being eaten. Is that not crazy? Because it was Daniel who said, I'm willing to pick a fight with the devil. I'm willing to kick the door open. If I'm going to walk on water, I'm willing to get out of the boat. And, and not just get out of the boat, seek an opportunity. This is important. Are you seeking an opportunity to pick a fight? You see, some of us, we sit down, we wait. Okay, okay. When God calls me, I'm going to move. I'm waiting for my miracle. But I will move. I will get out of the boat when he calls me. Read the story again. Details are important, people. Details in Scripture are important. Jesus didn't tell Peter, get out of the boat. Peter said, Jesus, let me get out of the boat. Jonathan said, let's go pick a fight. You know, that's the thing. That's what we do. And, and even, even Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, they, they knew the scriptures. They knew what God wanted, and they said, we will not cave. We will do everything that we can. And so because 
I asked Andrew the other day, I said, it's, you know, I don't have a lot of illustrations often. He said, well, illustrations are important because we don't want to, you know, we've got to be careful. We, we, we throw some personal stuff in there. So I got an illustration. You can thank him for this one. Uh, I shared it this morning. Um, and, and do you know what? I actually had an experience in my life, uh, not of lions having their mouths closed. It's actually crocodiles. It's a crocodile story. Um, I usually share this at schools to like to encourage kids. Um, so, so we, I, I said we, we lived in Mozambique for eight years. We were training pastors. We said, look, love God, love people. If you love God, you're going to change people's lives for the better. And so we built a school as one of our ministries. And about 300 kids going to school, and they have to cross this little kind of tiny river on the way to school, kind of a seasonal thing. Uh, and, and every time they go to the river, we have a feeding. We fill our school because we have a feeding program. Most of the kids really struggle to learn, but they know there's going to be lunch. Um, and for some of them, I mean, as many of us know, it, it, there's not a lot of other meals in the day. Um, and so some of the kids would come to school and put their little fishing line, tie it to a big tree, put it there so the catfish comes out and they can have lunch after, the, uh, after, after school or, or have an extra meal for their family. In a one-week period, we lost two children uh, in grade one and two um, as they were coming to the river either to wash or to get their catfish or whatever. It's drawn in. This little, not big. We, are, we don't have big crocodiles. We've got like seven or eight footers. They're not huge. Um, but they're not small either. Let's be, let's be real. And we lost two children. And it was heartbreaking. And there was weeping and there was crying and, and people began to think we're, they were cursed and, and, and I didn't even share quite as much as, but they even began to think even the school could be cursed because you have to, you might not know this, but we're, specifically where we live and maybe it's in other places as well, but they believe that the crocodiles were controlled by the spirits. And so two children in connection with this mission school had been killed by crocodiles. Do you know, every, and everyone is heartbroken and it was one of the first times also, just as a side note in my life, where I actually realized that God had a calling for me. That's right. Because up until then, I, re- I thought that I wasn't enough. I don't know if you're here this morning, you think that you're not enough. I mean, I think this is quite common. We think that we're not enough. Here you got this guy who, who yells and screams when he preaches, apparently, who, who, who's not polished, obviously. You know, I, like I bought this shirt for the trip because it had a, a, I bought a whole bunch before I came to have collars because uh, I wasn't sure how things were. Um... And uh, I'm not a very polished guy. And in the mission field where, where bro- the brokenness of missions have required everyone, like even people who can't afford food have suits and ties, and I'm like, I don't get it. Um, and, and then we got a missionary who's an amazing man, but, but he knows his stuff. And then you got me who just like, the Bible's simple, just read it. You'll, you'll get it. It's, it's pretty simple. You'll, just re- you'll get it. It's pretty simple. And, and I've always felt a little bit insignificant. And in that moment, God said, I, I have a plan for you. It's just not what you thought. And I realized that I'm, I'm a bit rough around the edges. I do some pretty dumb things sometimes. And they needed somebody to give them hope. The school needed hope that we were not cursed. The people needed hope that their children would not be killed by crocodiles. And so I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a crocodile trap. I don't know what I'm doing, by the way. And, and so with my creativity, I made this great big fish hook thing, tied it to like a little steel rod, steel string, hooked it up to a, a, a water-carrying bucket, put it by the edge, put a cow heart on there. And I was like, okay, we're going to catch this crocodile. Um, and the idea was that the crocodile can't get away with it because the, the, the floaty thing keeps him from ripping the line. Um, and sure enough, I get a phone call. Pastor, pastor, you got to get over here real quick. The, 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 the floaty bucket's just going back and forth across the pond. Back and forth and back and forth. So we've got these rapids that go down, great big pond, and then rapids. So if there's going to be a crocodile, he's basically got to be in the pond. Um, 
And so they're like, it's going back. So it took me about 20 minutes. I get there. And when I get there, this water bucket that usually sits like that far out of the water is like an inch out of the water. I'm like, oh, my word. Whatever's down there, it's got. It's pulled it down. So I get in my boat, and I paddle over, and I tie a rope to it. And I, like, I'm in my boat. Don't worry. I'm in my boat. It's crocodile. It's still my boat. And so I tie a rope on, and I start pulling. And I'm like, why is it not moving? And I realize there's a dead tree. I'm like, oh, man. Is that crocodile under this tree and with, like, his nose or something? So I get the whole village. Half the village comes out. We tie, we tie the rope on. We're pulling and pulling and pulling, and still no crocodile. And so I look at the guys. and said, look, I think what happened was he wrapped it around the, the tree. You're not going to pull the tree out of the water. I'll just make another trap. Crocodile's gone. He's either unhooked or he's dead under there. Don't worry about it. And they're like, no, 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 but you don't understand. You don't understand. How do we need to know? They said, you need to go, you need to go, you need to go check. You need to go check. Is, is, is there still a crocodile on the end of the line? I'm like, I'm not going to check. There could be a crocodile on the end of the line. Or, or worse, there's no crocodile on the end of the line. So like best case scenario, there's a crocodile on the end of the line. That's the best, because that means he's drowned, right? So my wife would come with me because she thought this was going to be great. And, and, uh, and then the guy looked at me and he said, he, said, he said, don't worry, Pastor. We know you are afraid. He says, he says but don't worry about the spirits. Don't worry about the evil spirits. We're going to get to Curandero. He's going to have a quick ceremony and he will chase away the, he will chase away the spirits. And, I, and I, I immediately had a moral dilemma. And I, you might not be putting it together yet, so I'm going I'm I'm to spell this out for you. They think that I'm afraid of spirits. <laughs> when I'm afraid of a crocodile, okay? But, 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 but here's the bigger dilemma. If I don't go in the water, they will believe with all of their hearts that this guy who claims the power of Jesus is afraid of a spirit, which I'm not. I'm afraid of a crocodile. <laughs> but our testimony... Our testimony matters. The way we, the way we respond to the, to the battle, the arrows the, the, the devil flings, it, it, it matters. It doesn't matter that I'm afraid of a crocodile and not spirits. If they believe it, my testimony is destroyed. So I say, no, leave, leave the curandero at home. I don't need that guy. We got this. So I went over to my wife because she doesn't let me do lots of things that I like to do that are dangerous. And uh, she's not here so I can say that. Um, so I said, honey, I need you... I feel like I'm supposed to go in the water. Um, and I knew she was going to say no. So it was really, it was a safe bet, right? Because then I could say to the guys, you know what? It's not the evil spirits I'm afraid of. Uh, it's my wife. Um, and I, I, know, I know I'm supposed to be the head of the home, but I'll, I'll confess of that later. Right now, I'm just going to, I'm afraid of my wife. Um, and, and, and she says to me, she says, she says, well, I, I Googled it. And if he is on the end of the cable, he's probably drowned by now. And again, I'm thinking, I'm not worried if he's on the end of the cable. I'm worried that he got off the end of the cable. So I tell the people, okay, here's the deal. Who's going to care for my wife if I die? Uh, hands quickly went up. And uh, so I had a caregiver for my wife. Uh, and I, I let her know. And she said, fine. You're not going to die anyways. And so I had long, long, long story that's already long. I'm going to make it short, shorter as I can. I grabbed the rope or the, the string and... And I, uh, I got the guy paddle out to right where the thing was, and I grabbed it and tried to keep my eyes open in the dirty water, and I just started pulling towards, because pulling down underneath, pulling myself down, and I grabbed the, I grabbed the tree, and I'm like, okay, I'm scared, and I grab the, uh, I, I grab around, and I think I feel the crocodile, and my, my heart leaves me. It just leaves me. I, I, be, I instantly become a coward, and if you've ever seen dolphin comes out of the water to see people like this, I have a picture. It almost looks like I'm a dolphin, because I'm like, shh, into the boat, like that, no, seriously, like I'm like, shh. 
I'm into the boat. So I get into the boat, and I'm like, okay, nope. Let my, my heart came back, and I'm like, nope. So I go back down. Sure enough, it's just the cow heart. It's all, it's all good. My wife does have a picture where she, she seems to think there's a log that was just behind me that wasn't there before. So we'll let, we'll, we're not, we can't say it's a crocodile, though. Anyways. And in the end, the crocodile had gotten away, obviously, and I was swimming with a crocodile. Um, and about three days later, when he'd wrapped himself in the cable, he got a little bit of a cut on his back, and he wasn't comfortable under the water. And so he crawled into a cave. Um, and so they came, like, just a rock overhang, you know, like, about that, that high. And so the locals came and said, look, we found him. He just crawled into the cave. And I'm like, good, leave him there. We're all good. Um, and they said, no, you got to come get him, because, again, evil spirits. Um, and so I get there, and I... I crawl into the cave, it's, so it's about this high, and I'm like, you know the army crawl, and you know, my, my head's all scratched up, and my beard's all full of mud, and my body's all full of mud, and I get in there, I shine the flashlight, and I'm like, yeah, okay, there's eyes looking at me, and I just, the only reason I could do it was because my head was being scraped on the top and the bottom, so he'd never get his jaws around that, anyways, <laughs> and, and so I got, I'm, just, I'm getting too excited about the story now, we got to get back to the message, so, so we feel, put the rebar in, the, the steel rod in there, and I know people don't like killing animals, but remember, two children died, they needed hope, Jesus, all that stuff is very important to this story. So please, I'm not trying to be offensive, I'm trying to tell about Jesus. And so the guy behind me, he takes the thing, and we get it into the crocodile, I'm holding the rod, the crocodile, I, did you know crocodiles yell when they're getting poked? I found that out. And so when they saw the little feet kicking, and, and they saw, like my feet kicking, and they saw, they... They saw, they heard the crocodile, and they, they understood the evil spirits they thought in their mind was, were coming out, and so they quickly jammed the rod through, and I get it out, and I'll try and keep this, because people don't like this part. Uh, um, I screamed like a little tiny girl, jumped on top of it, grabbed the hammer, and killed it, until my wife said, I think it's dead now, and then we got off, and we returned it back to the people. Um, and I told them a story about Moses, actually. I told them a story before I, before I gave them back the, the thing, because you knew they were going to take it to the chief and later to the curandero, because they still believe some of this stuff. And I said, I said, here's the deal. Did you know that, did you know that I, I don't deny that evil spirits exist? I know they do. The Bible says they do. As a matter of fact, the devil works in mysterious ways. When, when, when Moses confronted the Pharaoh and he threw down the staff and it turned into a snake, what, what the, he, the Pharaoh had his own men threw down their staffs. They turned into a snake. But, but you know what happened? The snake that was created by God, consumed all the others. And so I was able to tell them the story, and, and from that moment on, this broken, rough-around-the-edges dude was able to share the gospel on a far more regular basis because they realized that, that, that I, put my, I, put, I, I put myself, and I very literally, I very literally got out of the boat. Now, now God might be, not be calling you to get out of a boat literally, but I really believe with all my heart that there's people here today who God has told you, you're, that's it, Stop. Stop waiting, and you're just waiting. He's like, stop. And you know you got to stop waiting. You know you got to do something. And I don't know if this is a calling in your life. I don't know if that's what it is. But I also know that there, there's a couple ways that you get out of the boat. And I want to make sure that we're talking about that kind of briefly here so you can understand what I'm saying. Is that we have to, we have to get out of the boat, but, but what does that look like? Well, I, I, love, I love how Peter looks and he says, Jesus, if that's you, call me. I also love the passage says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, w was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. We have the Word with us all the time, and it is the words of our Heavenly Father. It's the words of Jesus, and it's the words given through the Holy Spirit. And so when we read the words of Jesus, we can, we can read these words and say, Jesus, if this is you, if this is what you've given us, and your Holy Spirit is prompting us, I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to do what it says, even if it's uncomfortable, and it means i got to get out of my boat. 
So it's not just about you being called into missions or you being called into the prophetic or you being called into eldership. Do you know what it's also? It's you being called to tell somebody in your life about Jesus. It's tough to do that. Do you know Jesus? And what I mean by that is, I don't mean that the traditional, I don't know if you do that here, we do this back home all the time, when, 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 when a leader says, tell people about Jesus, they're like, hallelujah, I'm going to do that tomorrow. And they go to their friends and say, hey, I'm from the most incredible church on the face of the planet, you got to come to my church to find Jesus. Well, that's not actually the biblical model, by the way, folks. I mean, it's great to invite people. It's great. Maybe they'll find Jesus. If they're here, they definitely will because Jesus is, is seen in us and how he lives through us. But the harder part about getting out of your boat is saying, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? And the other hard part is that sometimes we can't tell people about Jesus very well because it's so easy to look at Andrew. It's so easy to look at this person. It's so easy to look at that person and be like, I want that person to tell you the story of their miracle so that you can find Jesus because we've been too scared to get a miracle of our own. We've been too scared to get out of the boat our own. We've been too scared to do what God tells us to do. So we need somebody else to do the job for us because we don't have anything to offer other than what we know to be true. But I want to tell you something. There's a lot that you can offer when you get out of the boat. Hebrews, chap uh, Hebrews chapter 11, 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. Forever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Seek God today in faith. But faith is not sitting in the boat and waiting, just like faith in your parachute is not sitting in the plane watching the landscape below you. Faith in your parachute also means kicking open the door and jumping out. You can say you have faith all you want, but if the plane lands and you're still in it, you only got half the experience and you didn't get the good half. And I'm not saying, I'm not, I want to just keep it a show. You might be that person today. You are in the plane. You are a believer. You're a Christian. You do genuinely love Jesus, but you are so terrified to, to, to let him be your covering that you've got to be your own covering all the way. And so you stay in the plane because you know your own covering ain't going to get you to the ground the way you're supposed to be. And I want to challenge you. Let's do that today. And, and I don't know if this is something that people need to hear. I was specifically for the first service, but maybe you need to hear it in the second one anyways. One of the hardest ways to get out of the boat is to be vulnerable. It was very clear in my heart that in the first service that was very important. And maybe, maybe with this word that we heard this, today about pulling back, maybe it's true here too. The hardest thing to do is to be vulnerable, vulnerable to other people. The hardest thing to do is to say, you know what, I can't do this on my own. I need to do it with somebody else. The hardest thing to do is to say, my marriage is just about over. That's, that's hard. The hardest thing to do is to say, I'm living in an addiction. That's hard. The hardest thing to do is to say I'm broken because what if when I get out of the boat, what if I start to sink and what if the church grabs me by the collar and just shoves me down so they don't have to deal with me anymore because I stank up the boat. But praise the Lord, when you get in the water, you get washed off, isn't it, eh? You get in the water, you're vulnerable, you say, look, help me out. And Jesus washes you, brings you back to the boat. He calms that storm. You found what you need and you move forward. So if you're going through some brokenness today, stop trying to do it by yourself. I go, to, I go to a church right now that, that loves Jesus. We, love to, we, we say we love to pray. 
We just don't really, it's like I said earlier, that the, I, I ate a piece, of, somebody gave me a piece of chocolate one time, and especially in Mozambique, it's usually really old chocolate that you get, you know, you know the chocolate I'm talking, you open it up, and it's already turned white, it's not white chocolate, it's regular chocolate, but it's already turned white, and you're like, and when you give that to little kids, they're like, oh yeah, we got chocolate, but when you eat it yourself, you're like, oh, I got chocolate, thank you. Um, and sometimes we think we know God, we think we know depth, we think we know this, but we've only experienced the broken. And that's kind of what my church is like sometimes. It's, it's we've experienced, we, we love to worship. And I love how you guys pray here. It's amazing. But even while I was here, I just really had this conviction, a reminder that, 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 that I don't have a lot to offer. I'll be honest, I really don't have a lot to offer. But there's something that I've loved to see back home, and I'd love us to see again. We did it this morning. I'd love to see it again today. The Bible says that he gives words of wisdom, words of knowledge. He gives, he gives all these incredible words, but sometimes we think that those words are limited to the guy who, feels, who comes and talks to the, to the lead elder, and he's standing up here, and he says, I got a word of God for everybody. And yet in our own prayer life, in our own brokenness, in our own woundedness, we still try and do it all by ourselves. But what if God's got a word for you? Like, not for you as in a general, but for you. Like, what if God has a word for you? And you're broken. And what if, what, if, what if God's got a word for you? And you need somebody to walk you on this journey. But every day you come, and every, day you, every time you come, and you, 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 love, you love the words that are given. You love the words, and they're amazing. But you're still waiting. And you're praying, you're like, yeah, yeah, that word's for me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And you go home, and you, you come back next week. You're like, I need another word. I'm, I'm dead. I'm, I'm, what's happening? And I think you have these in your community groups, so praise the Lord, I'm sure this happens there. But I think sometimes in a place like this, you get visitors, you get other people coming, and maybe you're a visitor here today, and you just need to pray with somebody. Because maybe that person has a word for you. Maybe that person says, hey, you're going to get through this. Maybe that first time you come and say, my marriage is on the rocks, and the person doesn't shove you under the water, but says, yeah, let me walk you to freedom. Let's look to the Father together. What I have seen more than anything else in my journey in coming here is a place of family where we come to the Father. Let's make sure that we do it together. So we're going we're gonna, to, however these guys want to do, but I, I think we'll call the worship team up just to do one or two songs so you can already start making your way this way. And if I'm wrong, they'll correct me. Um, I leave tomorrow so I won't get in too much trouble. Um... <laughs> But I do have one other word. I do have one other word that's just been really heavy on my heart. And it, it might have been for the first service. It might have been for this. I don't know. And honestly, I don't care because it's not for me. Um, maybe it is. For, it actually is. It was for me the first time. So it is. I've already heard my lesson. Do you know how long ago that crocodile story happened in my life? Like 12 years ago. And I'll be, I'll be honest. When, you, when, when somebody comes to me and says, Rick, tell me about what God's doing in your life. I'm like, have I ever told you the crocodile story? Have I ever, you you got to hear the God is amazing. And they're like, when did that happen? Well, it happened when I was a bit younger, 12 years ago. How many, how often in our lives do we hold onto our, our, our miraculous conversion, maybe? Maybe you, maybe you were, were saved out of something horrible. Maybe you were saved out of an addiction. Maybe you were saved, and you have been holding on to one miracle your whole life. And the thing that God challenged me today, for me, is that well, I thought people, people came, I love your story about the crocodile. And I'm like, that's right, that's right. And I got all big, and I'm like, yeah, that's right. And God was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You think that miracle's big. That was the training miracle. That was, that was a training miracle. And so if you stop at your first miracle, you know what you're not going to get? You're not going to have the courage. Because let's look at Peter. Peter walked on water. That wasn't the coolest miracle in his life. 
The thousands of people who came to know Jesus was the coolest miracle. The, the, the prison gates opening, that was an amazing, the ama rising of the dead, these are amazing. He would have never had the faith if he hadn't walked on the water. And that's why so many stories in Scripture about Peter. All the disciples were incredibly godly, powerful men. But those who take the step out of the boat have the, some of the greatest stories ever. Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to talk to? Who do you need to go to today? So as we sing, however you guys want, I'm going to get everyone to get everyone to stand up. We're going to talk. Just everyone stand up. Why don't we just do that? Um, if you're new here, you've seen lots of people come up and talk. So however you want to do that, that's fine. I'm going to turn it over right where it is to Jacques. But, but I want to tell you, I don't want us to just sing like this right now. What I want you to do, and especially if there's somebody maybe even not in your home group, you just need somebody who's even safer than your home group. Even safer than your, you, you've been holding, actually, even your local community group, you're like, oh, I don't know if I can. If you, I want you to just find somebody to pray with. And you either come to them and say, how can I pray with you? Somebody you don't normally always pray with. Let's build family here. And trust that God is moving. And trust that if you're going through something, do it. Or trust that if you need encouragement, get it. Because if that's all you need, if you've got nothing to bring to Jesus right now, just when you go pray with somebody, say, you know what, can you give me a word of, can you just encourage me? Because the Bible tells us to pursue the greater gifts. Pursue the things that lift up the body. And if we're allowed to pursue these things, then we can come to, to somebody who we don't know if they can have a gift of encouragement, and they might still receive a, a word of encouragement for us. Because it both talks both about gifts and about words. So let us pray today. As I, I'm going to close first, and then we're going to turn it over to someone else. God, I want to thank you for the miracles of swimming with crocodiles. God, I want to thank you for the miracles of hearing your voice calling me to Mozambique and calling me back. But God, I need to repent that far too often I build my life on the miracles of the past instead of looking to you who are still out on the water of my life. You are still on the water of my life and I am waiting for my storm, my, my storm to be, be calmed down. God, forgive me for that and Put in me a desire, and God, put in a desire in everyone here to say, Jesus, if what we read is of you, let us get out of the boat. Let me be called to save the lost. Let me be called to heal the sick. Let me be called to bring restoration to marriages. Let me be called to see great things happen. And let us hear your voice as you call us where you would have us go. I love you, Jesus. I cannot do this on my own.